0: Scripture says, call on the name of the Lord and he will come down. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, If she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search fully, carefully, until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents." Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for being able to praise and glorify your name. We thank you for your name being I am. For it is a reminder that you're always with us and that you are a constant, O Lord, in our ever-changing world. We pray now, O Lord, that as we hear this word proclaimed, that you will speak to us what we need to hear and that you'll open our minds and our spirits to receive it, that we might live it out. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So for the first five or six years of my marriage, I had a chronic problem. And my chronic problem was that every time we left a place, I had left something behind. It was 25 years ago, so you got to remember, back then, cell phones were just to make phone calls, so... We weren't attached to them like we are today where you can't live without your cell phone for like two minutes. So I'd make a phone call. I'd put my cell phone down and walk off. And I used to carry a little man purse because this was back when that was popular with all my stuff in it. And what would I do with that thing? Leave it every possible place I could think of. Well, I say first six years of my marriage because my wife began to train me on not leaving stuff behind. So when we went to leave somewhere, she would go, do you have your wallet? Do you have your phone? Do you have your keys? Now we can leave. And I would always leave something behind anyway. It took a lot of training for me to learn to search for those things before we left the place to avoid all the back and forth that I went through during those first six years. Because I got to tell you, I did a lot of backtracking. Restaurants, church, friends' houses, anywhere I went, I just left stuff. I mean, it was just a chronic problem. So when I read this scripture, I thought, you know, it's about things getting lost and things being found. I'm an expert on that because I've been doing it all my life. My wife says I spend about 60% of my time looking for stuff that is lost. But I digress. Going to the story, in order to understand the scripture that we have, I always like to give you background because these stories do not appear in scripture in a void. They always appear as part of a narrative that is being shared by the gospel writers. And one chapter always builds up on on the previous chapter and, and so forth and so on. So you have to kind of get an idea of where Jesus is, what he's doing, what has happened. So you really have to go back at least one chapter in order to really study this passage. In the prior chapter, we find that Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house to have dinner on a Sabbath. And, you know, as you know, back then on the Sabbath day, they would do, they would do a feast that was, had been prepared the day before because Jews couldn't work on the Sabbath, right? And so they had everything prepared. They had Jesus over. And the scripture says that as they're having dinner, a man with dropsy shows up. Dropsy, by the way, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure of all that it involved. But basically, it's described as a, a generalized term that indicates swelling, And synonymous with heart failure attributed to build up of fluid around your heart. Well, back then, they didn't have all the technology we have now. So to have this condition back then could be fatal. And it was lifelong. You didn't get rid of it. It was ongoing. So this man shows up and Jesus, on a Sabbath day, heals the man right there in the dinner party. So strike one gets all his guests that are there, all the Pharisees, all the scribes, like, ah, oh, what is he doing? Does he not know it's the Sabbath day? You don't work on the Sabbath. But it keeps going. So, Jesus, whenever people started not getting the message of what he wanted to tell them, what did he do? He told a parable. It was the default mode, right? Let me tell you a story. And so, he told them a parable about, you know, how you pick your seats at a banquet table. He told them, you know, you should Pick the lower seats and not the higher seats. And be honored by your guests by being moved up and so forth. And remember, these are religious elite. These are Pharisees. These are the people that consider themselves the important folks. And so he's already strike two. You just get him mad about that. And then after that, he tells them another parable about a banquet being set up. People being invited and nobody showing up. Everybody having an excuse for not showing up. And the owner of the house telling his servants, go out into the street and invite the lame, the poor, the cripple. Bring them all into the banquet. These are the guests that are going to enjoy the feast that has been prepared. Strike three. So he's already kind of pushed a lot of buttons. And in each one of these stories and these parables and these retellings, Jesus is trying to make a point for them. One of the points that he's trying to make is that there are people that you consider to be outs that should be in. There are people that you feel that should be excluded and they should be welcomed and received. And then Jesus explains that basically we all have a purpose in life, that we have things that we are to do. And he talks about salt losing its saltiness. Says if it loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. It's used for manure. That's not good, right? So he he kind of strike four. He's he kind of pressing every single button on these guys' dial. And then we get to the scripture for today. He's right there. All the Pharisees have been listening. And here's what happens. Is there such a thing as a private conversation? Not really. Because most of the time, wherever you are, there is somebody eavesdropping. There's somebody listening in the background. You're out in the hallway telling somebody about something, and there's somebody over there getting coffee, and and in the back, they're listening. They're hearing what you're talking about. You're on a phone call at work and you're running down the hallway, and there's coworkers hearing everything you're saying. There's no such thing as privacy when you talk about sharing stuff verbally out loud. Somebody's going to be listening. And as Jesus has been sharing all of these things in the Pharisee's house, as he has been at the dinner party, as he has told parable after parable after parable, there are these people that are not invited to the dinner party. They haven't been inside the house. They haven't been included and seated at the table, but they have been listening. Some might have been listening through windows, knowing that Jesus was inside. Because remember, they didn't have double-playing glass with soundproof technology back then. And there's people listening from the outside of of that house. There's people gathered because the crowds always followed Jesus wherever he went. And these people have been listening to what Jesus has been saying. And they have been liking some of the things that they've heard. And what happens when you like what you hear? You draw near because you want to hear some more. You draw closer because you don't want to miss the details of what's being taught. Jesus had this ability that when he began talking, he began talking to a small group of people, and by the time he was done, there was thousands of people gathered. Why? People draw closer when they hear words that resonate with them. And the message that Jesus was sharing was resonating with them. But the Pharisees began to grumble. They began to grumble because Jesus was sharing all of this teaching. Jesus was sharing all of these parables. But they knew something about Jesus that got in the way of them listening and accepting his parables. They said, this man, he eats and welcomes sinners. He eats with and welcomes sinners. He spends time with tax collectors. Nobody likes tax collectors. He spends time with them. They knew that he had been involved with lepers and people who were sick, and you were supposed to keep your distance from those folks. Jesus had made it a track record of being with people that everybody else did not want to be with. He was always willing to go and speak to people that everybody else did not even see were there. And so they they grumbled. They grumbled and they grumbled and they said to themselves, "I, I don't know if I can listen to this guy. He eats and welcomes sinners. Well, Jesus could tell they were grumbling. You know, when somebody's grumbling about you, you can always tell because they kind of get right around here and talk underneath their breath to the person next to them, right? And they stare at you. Have you noticed that? You see that over there? Yeah, they kind of look at you on the, like sideways while they're talking to the other person, and you know they're grumbling, You know it. You've been in school at any point. You saw that with classmates, you know, the teacher, you know, she's killing me. You know, we we grumble about stuff. And Jesus noticed that they were grumbling about this. Now, it would have been easy for Jesus to call them out on this, to point blacks, just tell them, why are you grumbling about this? you're wrong, I'm right, you know, he could, have, he could have done that, but he knew that that would not work with them. So what did he do? He did what Jesus always did. He told them some parables. He said, let me tell you a story. And realize that now he has the attention of all the Pharisees and scribes because they want to know what story he's going to tell. And he's got the attention of all of these others that are outies, that are, that are outside, that are not in the inner circle, that are not at the table. And all of them are a captive audience listening to see what Jesus is going to say. And he says, let me tell you a parable. There was a man that had a hundred sheep, and he loses one. One gets lost. Which of you would not leave the 99 out in the wilderness, and go to search for the one. And in today's convention, we would say, oh, no, no, you keep the 99, because that's a 99 that are safe that you've got. You forget about the one, because 99 is greater than one. But, you know, my wife always told me, you always come back home with the same amount of children that you left. And I am sure that the owner of these sheep felt the same way. Every single one of the sheep that was out there was his responsibility and his, he owned them. They were his. They were not, he wasn't a shepherd for somebody else. These were his sheep. He was fully invested in them. They belonged to him. He had ownership of them. And so he says, if that one sheep gets lost, this man will leave the other 99 in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost. You know, the 99 had each other. The one that was lost was all by itself and didn't stand a chance on its own. So the man did leave the 99, he goes out to find it. And the scripture says that when he does find it, when he does find that one, he takes it, he puts it on his shoulders and rejoices that the sheep that was lost has been found. And he doesn't just do that, the scripture says he brings it back and he goes to all his friends and he rejoices with them and celebrates with them that that which was lost has now been found. Sheep could have died out there. Sheep are not always that smart. Could have gone off a cliff, it could have got run into some wild animals. So many things could have happened. The joy that he experiences in bringing it home is so great that the scripture says that he brought all his friends and he celebrated. Do you remember how you felt when you lost something really important to you and you finally found it and put your hands on it? Do you remember how you felt, the joy that you felt? Do you remember how you called people and told them, I found it! I finally found it! You know, I got trained pretty well the first six years and now we've got a group text in our family that when I lose something... And I say, hey, have you seen this? And then when I found it, I put, I found it in big bold letters with a big emoji of celebration. Why? Because that which was lost is found. It's no longer missing. And that's a cause for celebration. That man celebrated with his friends. And then Jesus turned to those Pharisees and said, let me tell you something. There is more celebration over one, more rejoicing over one who was lost and is found, than over 99 who have no need of being found, no need of repentance. Over 99 who are righteous. There is more joy over that one who was lost and is now found Jesus had to tell them that because he was afraid they weren't going to get the point if he didn't explain it. (laughs) Because sometimes we're that dense. You know, Jesus has to just go, hey, this is what it is. (laughs) Because you're not getting it. Let me just tell you. But then he says, let me tell you another parable. Maybe that one was too tough for you. Let me tell you another parable. He tells them there's a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. And she immediately turns on the lamp sweeps the house until she finds the lost coin. And the scripture says that when she finds that coin, she calls her neighbors and her friends, and she says, rejoice with me, for I found my lost coin. Now, for us, that makes no sense, because if you have 10 of them and you lose one, you still have nine. You still have more, right? still have some left over. But you see, in God's economy, there are no spare people. There are no people that are not worth saving and finding. There's no people that God does not want to redeem through Jesus Christ. There's not a single one that God goes, ah, we'll just let that one go. We still have others. Jesus was trying to make the point That you search for that which is lost until you find it. You know, one of the worst things to lose is your TV remote. (laughs) Because I swear those things have legs. And there's no telling where you're going to find it. So when the lady says, when he says that the, the woman cleaned the house, I can relate. Because I've pulled up cushions. I've lifted up chairs looking for that remote. I've looked in the fridge. I promise I have. Why? Because you have to find it. You can't turn on the TV without it. It's a need. The urgency of finding that which is lost is one of the things that Jesus is trying to, uh, to get to us to understand that if something is lost, it needs to be found, and that there are many who are still lost, who are walking by themselves out there in the wilderness, people that have gotten stuck between the cushions and haven't been found yet. He says, even if one is lost, even if you are the 10th coin or the 100th sheep, I will come look for you. I will come search for you, and I will find you. He says when something is lost, it's time to turn on the lamp so that you can see. It's time to tidy up so that you can remove the clutter. And it's time to find that which is lost so you can experience the joy that comes with finding that which is lost. Now remember, listening to this parable, there's two groups. There's two groups of people, two large groups of people listening to the same parables. I define them as the ins and the outs. The ins are the people that identify with the 99 and the nine. They're the people that say, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. They're the people that are saying, I don't need anything Jesus has to offer. I can do it on my own. They're the people that say, I've got it all figured out. And the outs. The outs are the people that are left. Everybody else. All the people listening to this parable fit into one of those two general categories. And you know what happens? Oftentimes, we want to pick a category and go, that's me. I'm the lost. Or I am the one who's in the, in the herd, and I've got it all figured out. Here's the shock. We all take turns being the ins, and we all take turns being the outs. There are times when we think we've got it all figured out, and then things happen. And we realize that we have an incredible reliance on God. And there are times when we get lost, and we are the ones that need to be found because we have taken a wrong turn, or we have made a bad decision, or we have stumbled on a sin. The ins and the outs. The good news of the parables is that we have a God who doesn't give up in his search for each and every one of us. A God whose mercy is so great that no matter how many times we run away, he comes looking for us. You know, if somebody hurt our feelings as many times as we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, we would have already given up on them. Yet God is so merciful and so loving that even after all of our mistakes and failures to live up to the standard of the holiness of Jesus, he still comes searching for us and invites us to repentance and to new life. And the great news is that we are all God's favorite. God doesn't give up on a single person. There's not one person that is not worthy of the redemption that Jesus has brought for us. And when he went to that cross, he didn't go for just one, he went for all. So that everybody could have a seat at that table. And everybody could be part of the fold. And everybody could be changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. The other thing that really burdens me about this scripture is that there's a sense of urgency in the search that a lot of times we lack. When something is lost, and it's really important. You don't just go, oh, I'll look for it next week. You look for it right now. Whenever I left my wallet, my wife made me turn around immediately. Because my whole life was in there. When you leave your phone somewhere, you don't go, oh, I'll just get it next week. No, you go back right away and you go get it. Because it's important. And I want to ask you. Aren't the people for whom Jesus died on the cross more important than your phone and your wallet? Isn't there an urgency to go out and find the lost? I would say that Jesus was trying to get them to understand that urgency as well. That the searching of the lost needs to be something that we're always about because Jesus never stops searching. Searching. And that when we find one, and we're able to bring it, there needs to be a celebration. Because there is joy when even one that was lost is found. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, because you are in this place. You are here today, Lord, just receiving our worship. You're here speaking to us. You're here lighting a fire under us, O Lord, to just continue to seek those who are lost. Lord, at times it is us that are lost, and so we thank you that you never give up on us, that you always search for us, that you love us back into the fold. Help us, Lord, to have that same sense of urgency in our own lives. Then when we see someone who is lost, we won't just walk by them, we won't just ignore them, we won't just dismiss them, that we will actually go to them and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Lord, thank you for the many opportunities you give us every day to be a witness to your love. Help us, Lord, never to give up in our search for those who are lost. And help us not to forget that we too were lost and you found us. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open if we need to pray. There's somebody that God's putting in your heart that you need to search for. I want you to pray about it in the altar. I want you to go, go to the reserve spot if you need to. I want you to pray about it I want you to ask the Lord to give you the opportunity to witness to them to invite them to church to tell them about your faith because God uses each and every one of us to search for the lost it's a group effort God doesn't do it by himself he goes ahead of us in the Holy Spirit but then with that same Holy Spirit he touches us to go in his name let us worship